In the underground bunker, below the threat of civilizations and zombies, a band of scientists and military fight for survival in Day of the Dead. Mafia, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves, where two friends try to stay alive by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, we are discussing Day of the Dead. With me is none other than my living zombie friend, Alex. And joined by my one-armed companion, Eric. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, he could have lived. That guy, yeah, that was <laughs> that guy was crazy. That was, that guy was insane. That was something. He was, yeah, he's something. I'll yeah, tell you. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 after this film, I can't wait for um, Romero's cap off to this trilogy, his quadrilogy, and that is Evening of the Dead. Ooh, Evening! I love. I've heard great things about Evening. Yeah, of the it's Dead. actually a rom com. Which kind of feels? Oh, like is it? it? Yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Evening of the Dead, Twilight of the Dead, Noon of the Dead. I'm looking forward to all of those. I can't wait either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Alex, I I think we'll end up having a decent discussion about this one. So let's go ahead and jump on in, shall we? Yes, shall we? Although George Romero will continue to direct more and more zombie films, like we just mentioned, after 1985's Day of the Dead, Day of the Dead marks the end of what is considered Romero's finest trilogy, Night, Dawn, and Day. To start this conversation off, Alex, I wonder how you see these films as a trilogy playing off one another, and how you think Day caps off this specific trilogy. Yeah, I... I think this film somehow caps off the trilogy perfectly. Um, you know, I, I haven't been shy about how I, I'm not quite big on Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead really grew on me during our conversation. Really ended up enjoying that movie and looking back on it fondly. And now this has been the perfect capper for the trilogy. But it's not because it's a perfect film. And it's far from it. But what I appreciate is how unique the film is. Mm-hmm. And how unique it makes this trilogy. With all three of these elements together, this is a wild trilogy. Yes, there's zombies in all three. But they are such incredibly different movies. I mean, I have to give a lot of props to... Uh, George Romero. I almost said George R. R. Martin. Um, <laughs> because I, I just, I, yeah, different George. So I, I just really appreciate it. And this is a very satirical movie in mm-hmm. many ways, from subject matter to characters to even the zombies. Every corner of this film is over the top, 
without mostly overdoing it. There are some overdone elements, which I'm sure we'll both get to. Mm-hmm. But I think this one actually does horror pretty well. It definitely shocked me more than the other two yep. films. Even though, <laughs> you know, the, the first 15 of Dawn may be an exception. But it definitely shocked me in some pretty interesting ways. And despite some, I have to say it, goofy zombie logic at the end of the film, I, I enjoyed this one for sure. I, yeah. I, I, I want to know what you thought because you were the you were a big fan of Don. I want to know what oh I love Don. What, what day did yeah, for you? I love, yeah, I love I love Don. Um, yeah, you're right about the horror elements. Like one of the unique aspects of that this film are kind of the dream terror sequences oh, yeah. that we get that we haven't gotten in the other ones. But dude, I will that first start one this covers that first yeah. one is so it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the Dead trilogy ties together in three distinct ways. First, you've got how they tie together tonally. Each film has a distinct satirical bite to them that feels uniquely Romero-esque. They're over the top in their performances, but always try to find this line between camp and more dramatically serious content, which leads to the second way they're tied together thematically. We get critiques of all aspects of society in these films. Each one, though, feels specifically American, too, I would add, in that they highlight some of the more absurd aspects of our specific society, which leads to three, the characters. We get diverse characters um, who, though flawed, become very likable throughout. Day of the Dead fits into all three of these categories. Now, it's probably my least favorite of the three oh. for a couple reasons that we'll get into. But I do think it fits right into the mold of this trilogy. And what's great, like you mentioned, Alex, about this trilogy, what's really so impressive is how despite these commonalities, each film is a one-of-a-kind zombie story, and each one has its own flavor. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, it, you're, you're right on there. I, as I reflect on this trilogy... What impresses me about Romero is how he he just apparently feels zero need to double dip on his films, despite them all containing zombies. It feels Mm -hmm. like it'd be so easy to be one note and just kind of iterate. And but instead, he maybe too strong of a word, but it's the only one coming to mind. He revolutionizes with each movie. He just does something Mm. completely different. And man, yeah. I, I I just think it's it's so cool. You know, I was on the verge of calling this man uh, maybe a little overrated <laughs> early on, yeah. but the more I see of him, the more I am impre- I am impressed by him. And I was really dismissive dismissive of a future movie we might skip, but now I'm yeah. wondering if maybe we should watch Land of the Dead. It was actually mm. the only Romero movie I have seen before we started this series. And I'm a little iffy yeah. on it, but I wonder if I'll come away from it very differently uh, now that I've seen these. Because from what I remember, it is a very different film from this one. Um, which is interesting. I, I, so I just, I just kind of want to see more of his stuff now. Well, yeah, I know. So he's got Night of the Living Dead remake 1990 
right? Mm -hmm. And then Land of the Dead. And I'm sure we're missing a couple (laughs) in there, right? Um, But yeah, I'm interested as well. Um, Because it, it is very interesting that we get somebody that keeps going back to zombies. Right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to make movies about zombies. <laughs> but every zombie film I make is going to be distinct, right? Yes. It's going to be something that... You, you mentioned the word revolutionary, and, and that might be over the top for, for films but and for zombie films. But for zombie films themselves... I mean, yeah, this guy does that, right? Like he is changing the game of how we think about zombies three different times, right? Three different times he's done that and has had such an influence on how we think about zombies and today's culture, right? Mm. Um, But before I get into some critiques, I I I do want to be clear. I'm grotesquely entertained by Day of the Dead. Uh, But... That's also where my criticism might come in a bit. Day of the Dead is certainly entertaining, more purely entertaining than Night of the Living Dead. But I think it does go a bit too far in that it loses a piece of that satirical thematic bite that we mentioned before. It's still there, it's still present, but it's less effective because the performances at times can be too over the top. Mm -hmm. The characters at times can be too larger than life. So when we try to get serious, when anyone tries to get serious, it just doesn't quite mesh. The tone management is off in some crucial ways. And I know, I know I'm going to sound like David Marshall. Again, oh no, I think, here we go. But <laughs> the violence is the primary focus of this film. Really, this is like, if you take a look at the three films and what they each bring, this film brings the special effects into focus. And for some, that's going to be the highlight of the film. And we'll make this film one of the greatest zombie films of all time because the effects are insane and they leave me asking, how the heck? But I don't think the violence provides as much impact as it does spectacle. The film succeeds in making us delight in the violence, especially (laughs) in those final moments of the military's demise. But I don't know if that's the best aim for any kind of film, really. Oh, interesting. I actually think it's totally fine. <laughs> I actually kind of like how horrifying <laughs> it is here. It, it, I would say it is out of place, except for some of the things that our good doctor has been doing uh, <laughs> during the behind the scenes. Because while some of those moments are really funny, they are also completely disgusting. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like when he has that first dead body that we see that is from the uh, one of the soldiers that had been uh-huh. buried, in quotes. But then yeah. he's left intact, like the uh, the spine and like the base the of brain. a brain. Yeah. And he's like just <laughs> playing with it, and it's like pulsating, and it's like just the face is just it, the head is just gone, except for that. It is so gross, but it's also funny, and yeah. I really like that. And that is kind of different from what we get later on with our violence because it's not funny, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of grotesque. Um, yeah, and it's really just Romero showing off his special effects shops 
It really is. is. Because (laughs) some of it's pretty impressive, I will say. Oh, my gosh, dude. Uh, Some of it is insane. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) Um, And I don't don't have a huge problem with it, but I I would agree with you that maybe it is a little out of place at the end. Uh, compared to what we've seen. And I think, like you said, our larger-than-life characters are really bothersome uh, for me. Uh, but I think it's Bub and Steel in particular, if I remember right. Is mm-hmm. Bub one of the goofy soldiers? No, but no, 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 no. Steel is. Bub, Bub is the zombie. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Bub, Bub is I love, the zombie. I love Bub. Steel, Steel is the, Steel is the overtone. Steel, is it Rickles? Is it, is it has many, Steel and Rickles, right? Maybe, it, yeah, Rickles. I maybe. think Rickles sounds right. <laughs> but they're, they're too over the top. They don't fit in this film. They belong with Bill, Pack, Bill Paxton in Aliens somewhere else. Just <laughs> over hamming it up. Um, like one of, Yeah, they're like the expendable characters. You think they're going to be expendable, <laughs> but they're not expendable until like the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah, I know. I know. They, they stick around a little. They just stick around too long. But yeah, unlike like Bill Paxton was killed pretty quickly. That this is that yeah. these yeah. two they stay on to the end. One of them even laughs until he's being ripped into pieces, which is oh yeah, it's yeah. too much. Again, <laughs> this is one of those times where Romero misses the mark with his whatever he's trying to say. I'm not even sure, but he just kind of overdoes like his comedy at times during the wrong moment. This kind of goes back to the arm and the uh, heart rate thing in Day of the Dead mm-hmm. or Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of goes back to that. Where it's like, dude, you're kind of losing me. You're taking me out of this moment that's supposed to be horrifying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just can't connect in any way, shape, or form with this character because he is so unreal. There's no one that would be like that. Yeah. Not really. And. But that being said, I do enjoy the finale here, even if the zombies are too fast. Like, a bunch of them come in, but they are on top of everybody, despite them being much faster. It's just, it's a little too much. It's kind of that Halloween logic. Like, how does Michael Myers walk faster than any human can run? <laughs> like, you know, it's just a, it's a little too much. We're getting ambushed at every turn by these things. But it's okay. It, it, it's played up for laughs. Like all the zombies that come down are dressed goofily. It's which is really pretty oh, yeah. funny. Like the, there's one in particular that's like dressed like a band geek, and that's like a marching band. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Pretty funny. It, it, yeah. And I have to say though, despite some of my gripes with this film, it is unlike most movies that I've seen. And I do have to say that, um. The other thing that I really like here are the characters overall. Um, while I do have gripes with our overacted characters, I like our mil. I, I do like our military. I mean, I don't like him, but I like <laughs> I like the character. I like Rhodes. This someone, this person who's drunk on power because they've just been thrust into a a, a leadership position that they really probably didn't earn. Uh, I, I love like I love that he is just power hungry. He just loves to control people. Yeah. And then I also like Sarah, our main character. But really, the highlight for me is a character that I thought was going to maybe be a bad guy or something early on in the film. John. Mm-hmm. John, I think mm-hmm. is McDermott his buddy. <sighs> Golly, I can't remember their name. Yeah, John is John McDermott. His John buddy, and McDermott, yeah. dude. That's a duo that I absolutely really enjoyed. Um, 
they're just so interesting yeah. and like almost out of place. But I like that they've created their own little nook, their own little place in this world where they have like their little beach scenery and their own place that they yep. live together. And very interesting. And Eric, I don't know if you agree, mm-hmm. but it feels mm-hmm. it felt like to me that the film was alluding to them maybe being a couple. Did you pick up on that, or was mm-hmm. that not something that was present? No. I don't. I, I did not pick up. Well, I didn't know if they were or if they were just like the best of friends. Yeah, there's definitely a relationship there, right? Because um, Eric, we it, would know. Is there's a very fine line? <laughs> <laughs> friends or couple? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think in this case, here's why. Here's why I think they're friends, right? And and uh, why there is this this underlying like deeper relationship, which actually I think there's another aspect. So when we talk about the characters of Romero's films, really what what makes them interesting are their relationships with each other. Yes, and there are um, so McDermott. I think that's his name. He drinks a lot. Uh, yes, that's right. He's got his flask. He. There's certain looks that he gives Sarah that makes you think like he's kind of into Sarah. Ah, um, okay. And I think there's an interesting sort of like kind of triangle actually between John, Sarah, and McDermott. Uh, once her um, crazy boyfriend is out of the picture, oh, yeah. John even says at one point, like when he he's giving her his stump speech, which I'll talk about in a second, that you know we we can start this thing over, you know. You, me, a couple others will make babies and start this thing over, right? Oh, that's right. Um, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, so that that would be why I don't think. No, you're hundred percent quite that 100% deep, right. uh, Alex. But well, um, I, I'm not the type of person to look into that type of relationship <laughs> and just be like, because I'm not like a shipper yes, or anything are, like that. Yes, you but, are. <laughs> but I, there was just a couple moments where I was like. Are these two in a relationship or not? Like, like I don't know. Like, I, I think I, it like, is a friendship I, where they genuinely care about each other, and like that's the thing. Sure. Like, they start off the film, and you're you're kind of unsure about them, right? Yes. Uh, but then they end up becoming heroic, as McDermott even says at one point. Like, it turns out we're heroes, right? <laughs> uh, which is cool. But I, I wanted to speak thematically. It gets to that scene that I was just mentioning. But the film borders on nihilism. With a twist, I believe. The film seems to be asking almost throughout, what is your purpose? What is each character's purpose? What's their reason for living? It's certainly existential in that sense. <laughs> You've got Sarah, who has this purpose of trying to find a way out, to find a cure, to find an escape, to make a change, really, of some sort, to change others. Then you have John, who tells her that she is wasting her time, literally, because, mm-hmm. quote, time is all we have. And that was the, in the stump speech, right? When yeah, he's telling her, like, you are wasting your time. What does this film decide? Ultimately, it leans towards John, right? And, and John's stump speech there, of course, because who ends up surviving? Well, it's John and Sarah and McDermott, who have created this family of sorts and mm-hmm. will seemingly survive together on this island they've escaped to, embracing each other and the time that they have left, right? That's Mm -hmm. how it seems to me that the film ends is in Sarah coming to that realization. 
right? This is what's in front of me is what's going to matter now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, that that's how I think about it. Uh, and it, it is interesting. It doesn't, I might be reading into it a little more than uh, I should, but I think that is what the film is leaning into a bit. It could be. It could be. I, I will say I had a little harder time picking up on what Romero was trying to say in here. Um, other than kind of like you said, time and then, you know, people just investing their time, I, well, mm-hmm. I guess, in, into the wrong things or maybe just yeah. not enjoying themselves, sinking themselves into things that ultimately may not matter. Now, her creating mm-hmm. a cure would matter, but, yeah. you know, I, I, maybe I'll go, I want to go over John a little bit more in uh, our awards, okay. I think. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because, I mean, you contrast Sarah with uh, Frankenstein that they call Logan, I think his name is, but Dr. (laughs) Frankenstein, as they refer to him as. And Dr. Frankenstein is just a different type of scientist with a different type of purpose, right? He spends his, his, his time in a way that fascinates him. He's actually not really interested at all in no. finding a cure <laughs> or really all. coming up with any long-term solutions. No, he's having he's a blast. <laughs> having a blast. Um, and <laughs> I love the, uh, there's this moment where uh, he's talking to Sarah and the other scientist. And he's like, he, he talks about how his dad told him he'd never become rich doing research. And then he kind of thinks to himself and he's like, huh become rich <laughs> right <laughs> it's just this little moment where it's just funny him reflecting back on like how meaningless that was when mm-hmm. his dad was telling him that um and how he just enjoys research and it doesn't matter anyway right like <laughs> it could matter less because he enjoys it right yeah uh, which goes back to kind of purpose in a, in a sense uh, which is which is interesting um but yeah any anything else to add alex no, I, I think I think that that's that's it for me. I I will say that character was very enjoyable for me, and I love yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that in every scene he has blood just all over him, oh, and he's just, <laughs> just on his hands while he eats. He's yeah. like, "Are we having food at this thing?" With blood all over his hands, <laughs> he's so, he's so funny, and also like one of the most horrific characters in here. But like. Oh, yeah. He doesn't do anything to anyone alive. He just messes no, with dead bodies. So he doesn't like do yeah. anything evil, really. No. But he no, he, he does. does that, he like, does like very so, taboo so, yeah, things. It's, 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 that's what it is. It's taboo things, right? It's like nothing technically awful, right? <laughs> things that we would consider incredibly uncomfortable, right? Um, but. Anyway, because like, like he's feeding our buddy Bub human pieces, but he didn't kill them. They were already dead. So it's just taboo. I know. MVM Plus today, Alex, we'll get into a couple things. Last of Us, we started watching that. We'll talk about that. Talk a little bit about the Oscars that I didn't watch this year, Alex, at all. all, Do you you usually watch them at all? Not really. I just kind of pay attention, but I've even paid attention less. So we'll talk about that. Probably get a little bit into our annual Oscars debate. (laughs) (laughs) I had a fan. We'll we'll, we'll talk about um, 
anything else that you've been getting into recently because there's always something always something. uh that's over at patreon.com forward slash mvm pod all right but alex let's do it compelling character who'd you have i had john yeah. i had john <laughs> uh, his little monologues like just completely captivated me i love i just <laughs> everything he, he said after he became more likable and like honestly it's the moment that we see him hanging out in this little paradise that he's created. I really connected with these two characters and kind of understood them a lot more. And so when, but when he's giving that insight, um, to, uh, uh, to Sarah about, you know, maybe the cure isn't what she should be spending all of her time on. Uh, cause yeah. she's not making any headway and, then that maybe it's not her business, which I'll get into with my, uh, oh, that's a good line or whatever it's called. What's mm-hmm. it called? <laughs> yeah, most memorable line. line award. I'll get into that. It's fine. Alex. <laughs> We've only done 186 of these. <laughs> Eric, what about you? <laughs> my most compelling character is Bub the zombie. Um, <laughs> I love Bub the zombie. Bub, he's awesome. He's so good. He's got the best moment. He's got the best moment in the film. When he salutes Rhodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rhodes he's getting torn about to die. <laughs> this is pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. It's pretty funny. Pretty great. Uh, I mean, you got a zombie that can shoot a gun. Um, a zombie that has learned and is responsive and it's uh, might potentially be <laughs> a bit caring, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, I mean, he's sad when the doctor dies. He does. He's, he's, he's out got for vengeance. Story. This is a revenge sad. story. It feels like it. it is. This is a revenge story. It's Bub's revenge story. We're just living in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Bub is my compelling character. Uh, Bub's good. I, I was surprised at how much I liked Bub. Like, it feels, yeah, it's yeah. such a gimmick. But it oh, just, it actually works really well in the movie. <laughs> so campy. <laughs> it was great. It is. Um, what about your most memorable line award? So it leads right from that into my most memorable line. It is right after Bub salutes Rhodes and Rhodes starts getting eaten. And of course, his intestines are getting eaten. And Rhodes just starts yelling, Choke on up! <laughs> <laughs> like even in it. his death, even in his death, he is just like it's so spiteful. So, so spiteful. <laughs> it's amazing. What about you? Uh, yeah, mine comes from that monologue of John. He's, yeah. uh, when he's kind of maybe giving an explanation for uh, what happened, because we find out that he is, a, we find out him and McDermott are religious men, actually. But he's also explaining kind of what may, what, what might be the logic uh, for, for them on what happened. He says, you want to put some kind of explanation down here before you leave? Here's one as good as any you're likely to find. We're being punished by the creator. He visited a curse on us so that man could look at what hell was like. Maybe he didn't want to see us blow ourselves up, put a big hole in the sky. Maybe he just wanted to show us he's still the boss man. (laughs) Maybe he figured we're getting too big for our britches, trying to figure his (laughs) S out. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure his stuff out. I was like, I really like Mm -hmm. that. That little cap off right there, trying to figure his stuff out. You can tell it really Mm -hmm. hits home with Sarah. uh, That may... Mm -hmm. she kind of buys it a little bit, it seems like, 
Like maybe yeah. we have gone too far and we're focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, that's really good. Uh, yeah, you chose the existential line this time, Alex. I we did. kind of had role reversal for <laughs> most memorable line. What about your Can't Believe That Acting Award? Uh, I want to give this to actually the good doctor. Um, I don't know his name. What was his real name, Eric? Are you talking about Dr. Frankenstein? Yeah, Logan? yeah, yeah. Played oh, Logan. That's what it was. Yes, Richard Liberty. Um, he, he gets my can't believe that acting award because of how fun he is and how yeah. goofy he is and how wonderfully disturbed he portrays his character because everything he do is horrifying, but he is so excited about it and he doesn't care to share it. He doesn't care to mm-hmm. share it. And he's like, Oh yeah, look at this. I just like severed this man's head and he <laughs> actually he didn't show them that that was pretty horrifying. That was a cool effect by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, look, this is this is uh, General Peters or whatever. And it's just that brainstem sitting there. And he's like so proud, like a kid at an art fair. Mm-hmm. It's no, so totally. funny. What about you? Um, so you mentioned this character earlier. I don't like this character either. <laughs> I think he's so over the oh, top yeah. and, and terrible. Like he's annoying. But. I mean, I'll tell you what, if this guy doesn't play him as the most annoying character, I don't know who else could, right? And it's Gary Howard Clark as Steel, right? Uh-huh. Steel is our like biggest bully knucklehead. He is, uh, uh, what's his name from <laughs> uh, P- Power Rangers, Alex? The big guy. Oh, he's Bulk from, Bulk from Power he's Rangers? Bulk he's from like, Power he's Rangers. like Bulk and Skull. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's those two characters. They're Bulk and Skull. Oh, that uh, makes sense. He is yeah. Bulk. yeah. <laughs> he he is Bulk in this movie. Uh he's just a bully straight through. Mm-hmm. Um not always not making rash decisions ever. Um <laughs> and he is memorable for me in, in multiple ways. Uh and really like the performance is exactly, I think, what Romero was wanting. So that's why I've got to give it to him. Way to go, uh, Gary Howard Clark. You devil, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about your, oh, that's a good shot. Eric, I'm not sure if we have the same one. I don't, oh, no, we don't have the same one. No, we Mine's don't. from the mm-hmm. opening moments of the film where yeah. she's in that uh, dream which I don't know if the film needed the dream sequences, but this first one was so awesome. I I do think it, I definitely wanted this first one where she is in that room with just the calendar and she gets close to it. And then all of those arms come through the wall. Dude, mm-hmm. it's horrifying. And I rewound it and watched it several times to see how it's they did cool. it. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll tell you. Um, mm, I think, I was reflecting on the dream sequences, actually, Alex, a little bit ago mm-hmm. in our conversation. <laughs> and I was just thinking about, because uh, they're they're all focused on Sarah. Sarah's the only one that has them, right? Because mm-hmm. she is our, she's the compass in this film. Right. She's, she's how we're going to, um, she's our moral compass, but she's also, what's the film trying to say? It's trying to say something through Sarah, right? The message of the film comes through her, right? And what ends up happening with her. And with Sarah, 
she is she has gotten to this point where she's been completely she is completely overwhelmed and in this um world of trying to find this cure uh and like that's all she can think about she puts on this exterior that is unafraid mm-hmm. and kind of tough and hard right like her boyfriend tells her yeah but in reality she is afraid right she is frightened she is overwhelmed and those dream sequences kind of give us a glimpse into that um even though they they are quick and and don't necessarily add a ton of narrative to the film itself right right for sure it, That'd be my case for him, at least. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. I totally agree with that. And what I do like about her character, kind of like you said, like she has that hard, rough exterior initially, but by the end of the movie, man, she's she's a she's an open book once all chaos breaks loose, which I really appreciate. Nice. So my, oh, that's a good shot, is oh, yeah. the close-up zombie shot. Uh, which is like this point of view shot from a zombie's perspective as Rhodes is about to be taken by the zombies, right? It's this, it's this shot where we see hands. It was funny. Your shot was kind of those hands coming out of the wall here. It's like the hands are coming out of the camera, right? From behind the camera, Ooh. grabbing Rhodes. Who's looking straight at the camera, right? <laughs> uh, at the end there. And I thought it was really clever. I really liked that. Um, there were a couple shots to choose from, but that one stands out for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're you're really honed in on this Rhodes finale scene. This thing really is captivating. Memorable. You. Yeah, it's, it cap- it captivated me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was just a scumbag. Yeah, he was. He was. He was the worst. Right. He was a bad dude. He was a bad dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, unique award. Oh. I have my favorite zombie design award, Alex, which is. You mentioned this one, but I just think it's cool. And it's the, uh, like the spine with the brain zombie. Oh, dude. Uh, it's so good. It's still functioning, right? Still like, <laughs> I guess it counts as a zombie. I just Oh, it definitely counts awesome. as a zombie. Yeah, that thing's and still alive. It was funny. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like that. Those things I thought were really funny. It was just more like <laughs> the ripping apart of all the soldiers in the last fourth i was like uh <laughs> it is a lot this is a little over the top <laughs> yeah this this thing that's like it has a pulsating uh spine and brain it's not that's not it no but i i totally agree with you i mean it's it's very different a man well, having it, his no, head like pulled the, off it's like the scene <laughs> oh yeah you you see the guy he gets his he gets fingers stuck in into eyes. his eyes and then like as that's happening, like he starts getting ripped apart mm-hmm. in multiple places, and then like his head is ripped off of his neck, and his head is ripped in half. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a lot. And it just has a continuous shot, which is impressive. Is crap. It is. Right? It's so impressive. Yeah, <laughs> it's so impressive. But I'm just like, what is like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> intense. Intense. It is. Uh, what about you? The mine goes to the mine is the my name is Vengeance Award. This goes to Bub. Man, this is this is like Liam Neeson before Liam Neeson was uh, in Taken. <laughs> Ooh, this is John Wick. Yeah, this is John Wick. 
Just a little slower paced John Wick, but with just as much revenge. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Cool, man. Uh, Final thoughts and tiered rating. I I can go ahead and start this one. As I said at the top, I think this fits great into the trilogy of films that we've gotten from Romero. Um, I've become a Romero fan um, over the last two films. Um, And Dawn of the Dead is a highlight of this series for me. I I had so much fun with this movie, that movie, this movie. I had a lot of fun with too. Um, as I said, I was grotesquely entertained by what was happening on the screen. Uh, even if this film made me start to desire that violence in a weird sort of way, uh, it was entertaining in that sense. I don't think this film is quite as meaningful per se as the first two films. Uh, I think each film has kind of maybe had a little bit less to say, whereas, but Dawn of the Dead kind of hits that perfect sweet spot for me between like entertainment and trying to say something. This film might just lean a little too um, into the spectacle of it all, which I can appreciate and I can enjoy and I did enjoy, uh, but it doesn't quite reach the heights of the first two films in this series. So this is a, Gamera tier film for me, middle, still middle to upper. I, I think the filmmaking is great. So it's still a mid, middle to upper Gamera t- tier film for me. Um, but that's where it lands. Mm. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a little different in you I, I, because of just how I felt about the first uh, Romero movie, but I'm with you. Like this, this trilogy has been great. And I, I, as I reflect on it, I'm just looking more and more fondly back at, the movies, mm-hmm. uh, these three, because I, I looked at the the filmography. I've actually seen two of his last three movies that he made, uh, that he directed mm-hmm. before he died. And well, one of them's not great, but the other one is um, Land of the Dead. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but seeing these, I mean, you really understand the influence Romero had and the vision that this man had in his career and the influence. It's just very, very cool to see. And I really, I really enjoyed day of the dead much more so than mm-hmm. I did night of the dead, night of the living dead. So this is the, I think Dawn of the dead is over this um, for sure. Just because of how a lot of that plays out and some of the commentary it has. Now I will give this one some pretty big props Romero, you didn't shove it down my throat. I mean, you shoved your, some of the characters down my throat, but you didn't. You didn't shove your themes like just nonce relentlessly uh, in my face. Like, like you, you had faith in me to be able to pick up something in this and try to figure it out for myself. So, thank you, Mister Romero, for giving me a chance this time. Um, so, I'm gonna give this a gamma tier. This is probably a. Uh, uh, middle middle camera tier, but definitely recommended zombie viewing, especially if you're looking yeah. for something a little different. This is definitely what I would send mm-hmm. your way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting, Alex. Like, I, there are flaws in each of these three films. Yeah. And yet, when you look back at these three films, it's it's looking back with a strong sense of admiration. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like in, appreci- in appreciation, you you can appreciate what Romero has done, even if it's not your cup of tea. 
you can see the influence that he's had. And there's a, there's a quality in these films that you just don't get. You understand why people point to these films as, as uh, kind of the, the post for zombie films and, and for horror films, right? People keep coming back to these ones. They're rewatchable. You can keep going back. Especially, I think, the last two are, are the most rewatchable. Um, of the trilogy. So it, there's a lot to appreciate here with this Romero trilogy for sure. 100%. Um, next week, Alex, we are moving into the 90s. But in order to know what 90s film we are going to watch next, you need to vote. Vote on our Patreon. Check our Patreon page out. It'll also be on our website. Um, you can always check there. If you're listening to this episode, it always tells you what next week's film is at. That's mvmpod.com. You can go there and see what next week's film is. But we're still waiting on the results of our poll. So there, there are less to choose from in the yeah. 90s. Um, and so we may just do one film from the 90s, Alex, and, and do another film. Back, um, from the 2000s back, or maybe two films from the 2000s back date sugar hill sugar hill bring it back <laughs> <laughs> yeah i might have to do mvm plus content on sugar hill uh, that'd be fun as always thank you for listening to monsters versus men you can leave us feedback on this episode at mvmpod.com which we just mentioned or email us at mvmpod at gmail.com you become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, Instagram Connector, and you, as always, listener for listening. Until next time. Don't let your bunker friends find out you've been f- feeding your old bunker friends to your new zombie bunker friend. <laughs> try try to to stay, stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. He's eating good though, Aaron. That's so good, jerky. Eating good in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>